0: Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. We've called this series Bought Back. What we've been focusing on is the very fact that we have a covenant with the Most High God. What's a covenant, you say? Well, a covenant is an agreement. It's a contract, but it goes even further than that. It's like unbreakable. And God initiated this thing. He said, man, I love these people. I want them in the family. It's, Paul said it like this. He said it's like adoption adoption is like next level you know it's like i choose you i want you in my family that's what god did is that just mind-blowing i mean and the the cool thing is in romans it says that he didn't even wait for us to look good before he did it you know he didn't say well you know shine your shoes you know put on your best tie comb your hair you know i'm talking from a guy's perspective you know look good be good do go to church five weeks in a row then i'm gonna want you in no man we were at our worst state he said i want them i want them. i'm gonna do what it takes to redeem them and buy them back wow that's that's what it's all about so you know this kind of stuff what this does when you come to grips with it it doesn't cause dysfunction in your life it causes stability in your life and when the apostle Paul was writing, he said this, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. First Corinthians 15, 58. You say, Well, I don't know if that's me. I feel like I'm bumbling through life. I feel like I'm down more than I'm up. And well, you know what? Everybody's at a different place. Do you hear me? Everybody's at a different place, and everybody has room to grow spiritually everybody does don't knock where you're at don't knock where your neighbor's at but God is so cool he will come down to where we're at and he'll get things across to us right where we're at to bring us up another level how good is that I you know I love the way that Jesus operated you know he picked people and he hit them where they were at you know, he took the gospel message, the love of God message, and he brought it he brought it to fishermen. And when he brought it to fishermen, he talked about fishing. He said, I know what will get these guys. I know it will get a fisherman. I'm going to talk about fishing and how it relates to the kingdom of God. That gets fishermen. And then, you know, he'd go and talk to, to, to farmers, and he'd talk about seeds and how, how you can sow seeds and, and reap a harvest. And, and these are gospel principles. And wow, you're, we're sitting there going, wow, I get it. That's how he does it. He goes right into your life right where you're at. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows what you're going through. He knows how you think. Do you know not everybody thinks the same way? When Dana and I used to live in Haiti, sometimes she'd look at me and say, wow, not everybody thinks like we do, you know, because they, they just had different values and different, different things they would do. It wasn't that they were wrong and we were right or we were right and they were wrong. we different. But God knows how to get into your life and how to get you right where you're at and bring you up to a new place. Paul said this. He said, man, guys, I'm telling you what. When you find out how much God loves you, when you find out that Jesus paid the price for you, he redeemed you, you have a covenant with God, you're in relationship with him, it'll produce stability in your life. It'll cause you, when when the whole world is shaken, and, and it might be shaken right by you, but in the midst of the shaken, you know, Man, there's something in you that's strong and secure. There's something in you that, that you can go on. You can face life, you know, with your head held high. You can face life not, not to be, you know, haughty or anything like that, but, but to be confident. There's nothing wrong with being confident when your confidence is in him. Okay? That's the right thing to do. Some people think, oh, those people are just a bunch of arrogant, arrogant people. No, it's, I tell you, it's Humility. It's humility when you say, I can't do it on my own, but I know, I know that he loves me, that he's, he's living big in me, and because of that, I can stand confident today. That's, that's godly perspective. All right. Um, Hebrews 12, again, is another one that we were inspired by, where he said this, we're, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus. You know, the, that phrase, it hits me. It hits me all the time lately. Looking to Jesus. You know, uh, I'm not into pat answers, I'm not into formulas. But I'd say this that in just about anything I face, the key is looking at Jesus, it's looking at Him. Looking at him. How can I look at him with what I'm going through? Well, you know, it's simple. It's not always easy, but it is simple. You look to him. You see him. You see him. It says, looking unto Jesus, this this is how the writer of Hebrews says that we run our race. This is how we, we get cut free from weights and things that try to ensnare us, things that try to stand between us and God. God's always with us. He's always with us everywhere we go. Anything you do, he's with you, you know. Uh, But sometimes there's things that that stand between us and God. And, And Hebrews says, man, just chuck them all aside. How do I do that? Well, I look at Jesus. I look at Jesus. That brings me to the place I need to be. He's the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Then in verse 3, it says, For consider him, again, he comes back the same message, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest he become weary and discouraged in your souls. Has your soul ever gotten discouraged? You know, when I talk about soul, I don't know what you think a soul is, but Whatever. We, we love each other. We love Jesus. But I tell you, what I think is my, my, my mind and my will and my emotions. And sometimes those things can get discouraged, you know, just going through life, just even doing the will of God. What? What? I thought if you did the will of God, you're in a bubble and nothing ever happened to you. Hey, you're still human. You're still human. I remember, you know, when I was going to Bible school, you know, I went to Rhema Bible Training Center. And Kenneth E. Hagen was was the president of the school, and he was the lead teacher at the time. And I'd read all his books before I went to the school. I read every book he had. That's what I used to do. I'd, I'd go to the bookstore when I got paid. You know, as a new Christian, I'd buy books. I'd get any new one that came out. I'd buy them, and I'd go home, and I'd read them. I'd step up late every night. I'd read till whatever, till I was, was late. <laughs> I was more of a night owl back then. Now, being up past 10 is a night owl, what has happened to my life? Anyway, <laughs> But, but, you know, I went there, and this is, I say all that to say this. When I went down there, I was just a young Christian. I was only about a year old in the Lord or so, maybe a year and a half, and, and, and uh, it was just a baby. But I went down there, and I thought, my goodness. I remember pulling into the parking lot at Ramah. You know, it was about 5 five or so at, in the evening. I'd driven to get there and, and, and uh, didn't even know where I was going to stay that night, you know. That's not wisdom. I'm not telling you to do that. That's just what I did. God worked it out. But, but I drove in, p- drove right to the campus, pulled into the parking lot. I would have thought I had to put on, you know, take off my shoes because I was on holy ground or something. And then I found this out. I found out even though I was on this place that I considered to be like holy ground, which really it was just pavement, but uh, uh, I was still there. I was still there. Had to still deal with me. You know what? Still had Flesh. Still had emotions. They had to be harnessed. Even even doing the will of God, there are challenges in life. But the key in every one of them is put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on him. Consider him. So we're going to talk about a little bit this morning in the next few minutes. Uh, We we talked some last week about healing. And and, uh, I, I like to throw some healing stuff in. From time to time, because it's such a it's such a part of life, and we need to keep our heads on straight. Our heads on straight it means this: Jesus paid the price for yours and my healing here on the earth. Not when we get to heaven. We get to heaven, I tell you what, there's going to be any sickness up there. Does anybody even envision heaven? You know, with infirmities and sicknesses, runny noses, and you know, and watery eyes, all that stuff. I mean, there's heaven. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, it'll be grand though, but I'll be on a cloud, I'll be playing a harp, honk, honk, blowing my nose, but huh. I don't think of it that way. Heaven's not going to be that way. Jesus paid the price for you and I to have health, to enjoy life, even here on planet Earth. Galatians three thirteen and 14, just a bit review, it, it says this, Paul wrote this, He's, and I, the reason I put this in here is just to say that healing is part of our covenant. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Well, you say, well, how, how, that doesn't say nothing about healing or sickness or anything. Well, if you dig a little bit, it does. It does. And if you dig a little bit, you'll find out this, that the curse of the law was found in Deuteronomy 28. And the curse of the law, although it included a number of different things, the the large portion of the curse written had to do with sickness in your physical body. And what, what the writer here, what Paul said, is that when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just take sin, he took the curse. He took sickness. He became that, and he did that, so you could be free, so that I could be free. Right here in this year, this day that we live in, right here in Wisconsin, in the beginning of summer, on a sunny day, we can say, Jesus paid the price for me. Healing's part of my covenant. Now, in Romans 4, verse 18, I'm just going to read you an example. Last week, we, we talked some... I, you know, two services, I don't know how far I got in either service, but, but you know, go listen to them both. <laughs> yeah, they're up. He, Pastor Stephen gets back on Wednesday night at midnight, Thursday. I'm editing. I'm getting stuff up on YouTube. <laughs> He's on it. Romans 4.18, it says, Who contrary to hope, talking about Abraham, in contrary to hope, in hope he believed, so that he'd become the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. If you remember, I, I, I read this last week, uh, at least in one service. I read this and, and mentioned what stood out to me was that, you know, the Lord appeared to Abraham and told him he was going to cut a covenant with him. Told him that part of the covenant was, was his, his seed would be blessed. And that he'd have, you know, many descendants. And if you remember... Abraham heard that, and his natural response was that he fell on his face and laughed. And what what hit me is this: that God has things planned for us that we don't even know what to do with. They just knock us off our feet, and, 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 and we, we laugh at him. We say, "How could that even be?" You know. And sometimes you might might someone who's been dealing with an infirmity or sickness for you know a number of years. You know, it can be you can identify with this stuff. Do you know that you can identify with sickness, and and you can you can make that your identity, and then you find out that Jesus said, "Hey, I came to pay the price; you could be free." You might fall on your face and laugh and say, "Who me? That can't be me." Abraham did that. He said, I, "This, you got to be talking to the wrong guy, man. I'm 99 years old. Who you who you fooling here? 99. Wow. So, but God says, hey." You know, God, didn't, God got picked him up, God set him on his way, showed himself to him, showed himself faithful to Abraham and to Sarah. So I'm reading here, and it says, uh, And not being weak in faith, did not consider his own body, already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. What did Abraham really do? He did not consider his own body. He considered Jesus. What he did in the midst of of contrary circumstances is he Put his eyes on Jesus. What are we saying this morning? The key to victory is looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. Now I love this story in Numbers, Numbers 21. Gonna read a little bit from there. Um, You may know this story. It's the it's you know one of the one of the adventures when the children of Israel, who are the children of Israel? Were they all kids? It's just the term we use to talk about the, the nation of Israel, okay? And because Israel was actually a person, okay, and that the covenant came through him and it was passed down. And these are all children of you know, just like my name is Carlson. Someone was trying to give me a deep meaning of the word. My brother, I had lunch with or dinner with my brother this week, and he, he says, "Do you know what Carlson really means?" I said, "Of course I do. It means son of Carl." And he was like, oh. <laughs> so anyway, children of Israel, they're children of Israel. And, and so <laughs> they, they'd, they'd walked out of Egypt by God's mighty hand, walked through a wilderness. You know, I don't know what it would have been like walking through that wilderness but I'm sure it was it was a daily adventure I'm sure you know just having the basic needs of life you know they had to see the provision of God to even be sustained in that place but um, the story is is that I'm just going to jump ahead and I'll just tell you this part and then I'll come back and read it the story is is that they began to grumble and complain and a bunch of fiery serpents were loosed on the people and began to bite people and they began to die And in the midst of it all, Moses, the great leader, Moses heard God, and God says, Moses, put up a pole in the wilderness with a brass serpent on that pole, and anyone who looks at it will live. Now, this is an exact type of Jesus. You know, sometimes people stretch as to what, what a type of Jesus might be in the Old Testament. You know what I mean by that? I mean, you're reading something in the Old Testament, and you see a, a story unfold, and you think, wow, that's talking about Jesus. You know, and, and, and sometimes people might stretch to say, that's Jesus. But here, in John three fourteen, Jesus said that just as Moses lifted up the serpent, in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So just the same way that Moses lifts up this serpent, this serpent in the wilderness, same way Jesus is lifted up. Let me read it to you. Numbers twenty one, four. It says that again the children, the children, the, the people of Israel, they journeyed by from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged in the way. Now we talked about that this morning already that even though these people, like you and me, were doing the will of God. What was the will of God? They were on the way from Egypt to the promised land, okay? They're on the way from Egypt to the promised land, but in doing this, their soul became discouraged. I think sometimes, you know, when you're following the plan of God, your soul can get discouraged because you, you think you're going to see this spectacular every day. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, if I'm walking in the plan of God, the Red Sea is going to part on Tuesday, you know, and, and, and this is going to, the fire is going to come up on Thursday, Wednesday, and then on Thursday there's going to be this and that, you know. But, but, you know, walking, sometimes walking in the plan of God is putting one foot in front of the other. And, and it's, it's, it's acknowledging God even when it doesn't seem like there's spectacular things going on, but you know you're following his plan. And you'd continue to do that, and you do see the spectacular. You know, sometimes people think the spectacular comes, you know, instantly. Well, many times those instantlies and those suddenlies are preceded by a bunch of walking the narrow way day by day. And all of a sudden, then you have these suddenly experiences where God shows up, but it was preceded by many days of just walking after him and knowing his presence. All right, I better get back to it here. So they became the soul of the people came very discouraged on the way. And here in verse five is key. It says the people spoke against God and against Moses. So you know what the temptation to do when, when people get discouraged in the way is begin to talk about their leaders and begin to talk about God and and be mad at him. You know, don't get mad at me. <laughs> Has anybody ever got mad at you, Pastor Paul? Oh, yeah. People gotten mad at me before. I've told bad jokes, all kinds of stuff. People got mad at me. But you know what? You can just go on, pick up your head, and go on. You know, don't be an Eeyore in life, okay? Um, so the people got spoke bad against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up to Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food, no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. I mean, this is, this is taking the miraculous for granted. This loathsome this lo- this lo- this lo- bread, if I'm saying that right, it's not a word I use every day, this disgusting bread that we got to eat every day, this was a miracle. It fell from the heavens. It gave them food. It was manna. How many would like to try a little manna? Like a manna pancake or something, you know, with some good old Wisconsin syrup on it. Be pretty good, I bet. But, but you know, they got discouraged because why? Because it was day by day. Day by day. Can I say it again? Much of our walk with God is day by day by day he'll show up every day and i think day by day it ought to get more glorious and more grand as we walk with him and begin to acknowledge him even in the day by day you know when god shows up in your life the day by day becomes sweet okay so but you know what the, the trouble is is that in the day by day when you don't acknowledge god you know how hard would it have been to acknowledge god for these people wow god Your hand is on me. You'll love me. Look at this bread that shows up every day. You know, and I don't need to save it up because if I do it, it rots. But every day you're faithful. Your mercies are new every day. You know, life is is worth the living because I'm walking with the creator. You know, he's real to me. Look at him. He shows himself every day. I don't have to worry about my needs. He's taking care of me. He's leading me. He's guiding me. Are things going to get better or worse? Things are going to get better. I'm walking into the promises of God. You see, that kind of an attitude will repel discouragement. That kind of an attitude will attract the, the glory and the power of God. So so it says that uh, there's no food, there's no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Worthless bread. Um, anyway, so the Lord sent... Okay, let me give you number six. It says, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Now... Can I just give you my insert on this? Think what you want. When I read the Bible, I always come back to certain things. I don't understand everything in the Bible, but one thing I hold fast to is this, that, that my God, my God, the creator of the universe, is a good God, is a good God. Now, I could read this and go, wow. Wow. What happened to goodness, God? Because it says in the, the King James, and I'm reading out of the New King James, that the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Well, I like to dig a little bit when I see something that doesn't quite line up with what I believe to be true. So there's a, there's a, a help note. There's a man named Dr. Robert Young. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not, but basically when I first got saved, there were two types of concordances you'd get you'd get either the strong's concordance or you'd get the young's concordance both were done by by scholars that went through and gave interpretation of the different hebrew and greek words that were used to make up our bible so just the basic basic study principle as a new believer was this i i happened i got both I got Strong's and I got Young's because they're they a little different in their format. Their filing system was a little different, you know. And so sometimes the Young's was more helpful to me than the Strong's, and sometimes the Strong's was more helpful, but they both were good study tools. Well, Robert Young also wrote a book called Hints to Bible Interpretation. He was a noted Hebrew scholar. And what he said about this particular verse and other verses in the Old Testament is that there is a permissive and a causative sense to, to words that are being used. What do you mean by that? Well, if you read the face value of the King James or the New King James or many versions, it says the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Robert Young said in his hints to Bible interpretation, the book, said the Lord sent is really uh, in the permissive sense and not the causative, and a better rendering of that would be the Lord allowed serpents. In other words, he lifted the hedge and the serpents came. So what difference does that make? All I'm telling you is this, don't get your thinking screwed up. God isn't putting sickness on people to teach them. Sometimes there's things we do that can lift the hedge and, and, and cause us some problems, okay? But all we need to do in any situation, if we've done it, and believe me, I've done stupid things. Don't get me going. You don't need to. But uh, because but, we've all done them. But even when I've done stupid things, the key is just turn my eyes back on Jesus. Look to him. So it goes on. It says this. Says therefore, the people came to Moses and said, "We've sinned. We've sinned against the Lord and against you." Uh, and you know, calamity sometimes causes people to check their hearts. And and it says, "Please," prayed that he, the Lord, would take these serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, "Make a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and everyone who's bitten, when he looks at it, shall live." So Moses, Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole. And so it was that if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, Dana and I were talking about this years ago, I remember one time. And and, uh, I can imagine the crowd that day when Moses announced this. He says, hey, guys, I've heard from heaven, and this is what the Lord told me to do. He says, put up a bronze serpent. Anyone who looks at it is going to live. And I would imagine this, that people are like, like people then or people like people today, like I could be. And, and, and what happened, I can, I can almost assure you this happened, someone in the crowd heard Moses talking that day, and before he was done, a serpent came and bit him. And the guy said, hey, hey, I, I'm not supposed to get bit. There's a serpent there. But notice that God never said that you'll never get bit. What he did say is, if you're bit, look. What happens sometimes is when people get bit, their focus and their eyes get put on the bite and not on Jesus. Okay? There's many distractions in life. There's many things that try to vie for our attention. But I'm telling you what. In the midst of it all, Jesus or the Lord told Moses, said, Listen, if they when they're bitten, if they'll look, they'll live. Now, the Amplified Bible, I'm not going to quote it, but I'm going to give you a, a, a synopsis of what it says. It says this that the, the look, you know, of a fiery serpent bit person, you know, was not just a casual glance. The look that that would cause the people to live was not just a fleeting glance. It wasn't like. No, it was like this. This is what the Amplified Bible says. It was a steady, absorbing, fixed gaze. Steady, absorbing, fixed gaze. What he said is this, man. Put your eyes on Jesus. Look to him. Look to him. Well, as usual, I'll never get through my message. But let me give you a couple things here. As a believer, know from the word what your covenant is. Know what belongs to you. Put your eyes on what Jesus said. Uh, one thing he said is in John fifteen seven. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. Let his word permeate your heart. Not just any word, but let the words he's speaking to you in the situation you're in today. You know, that's what Dana always does to me when I'm going through something, you know, stub my toe or whatever. She says, Paul, what's the Lord telling you? You know, I need to ask myself that. What, What are you telling me, Lord? Let that be what rings in your heart. You know, again, I go back to this. He knows each one of us. He'll speak to us in a way that we're going to hear it. He'll show us what's unique for us. Proverbs 4, 20 20 through 22, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart, for their life to those that find them, and their health to all their flesh. God's word is life. It's medicine. It's health. Your covenant is a covenant of healing. Going through life, facing problems, put our eyes on Jesus. Consider Him. Consider what He's done for you. There's always going to be distractions that will come to you, but in the midst of distractions, man, glue your eyes right on Jesus. He's there in every situation. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.